If a Christian does something, but doesn't post it on social media, did it really happen? Something that happened to me this past week made me think about that. And that's what I want to share with you today, the pressure to put stuff online and how we assess what we're doing uh, with one another online and how we might navigate that a little better. So that's the title of my reflection today. If a Christian does something but doesn't post it on social media, did it really happen? And that opening question is a play on the phrase, if a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Do we live at a time with social media that unless something is posted about someone's good deeds, it didn't really happen? Do Christians' actions require validation online to be seen and heard and to have really occurred? Because it can certainly feel like that at times, can't it? My family and friends, when I find out something about someone, are often slightly incredulous with me and they say, didn't you see it on Facebook? They don't need to tell me things in person anymore. It's assumed that I've seen other people's social media postings about life events. On the other hand, social media can be stunning, sharing and telling stories in ways that were impossible before. Yet on the other hand, the pressure to post as some sort of performance activism is overwhelming. My church invests significantly in digital strategies with paid staff time and resources to retell our stories. And all that to provide opportunities for people to see and engage in our mission. Yet all too often, the tail can feel like it's wagging the dog. I sometimes wonder, are we retelling the stories of our missional life as a community that helps people participate? Or are we making content carefully timed to catch the attention of those mindlessly scrolling through social media? The comparison game. In COVID, being able to do things online has been a blessing. With no internet, no YouTube, social media and email, what would we have done to communicate and participate together? Yet this blessing has also been a curse in many ways. You could drive yourself crazy looking online and seeing what other churches are doing. You look at the multiple camera angles, staging, bokeh on images and the stage lens flare, and you see the snappy, socially distant interviews cut with clever camera angles and segmented reports deftly inserted to keep people watching. Then you turn to your church online, and you're left feeling somewhat inadequate. You know the Herculean task to getting something planned and online for others. The financial costs, finding team members who are not shielding, and those willing and able to take part. You know the hours and hours of collaboration, tweaking, reviewing, allocating resources, training and development for your online services. Yet it can seem so pathetic compared to that offered by others. In our digital age, people assume that what they see online elsewhere is easily repeatable and is what you should be doing too. And before you know it, you've moved from being a church to feeling like a a light entertainment show producer, trying to use every attention-grabbing media tool to keep people watching. Last year, very early last summer, we conducted an extensive survey of our members And I'm in comprehensive with people doing one-to-one phone calls to collate responses. And there was something surprising and yet encouraging in their feedback. People appreciated our efforts to record and edit and stream and produce and engage. But the better the quality of what we made, the more they admitted they weren't watching. As Sundays became more like all the other things they could watch online, so they stopped engaging, intending to catch up, 
they were now not catching up. The request was loud and clear from a majority of people. Can Sundays be different to all the other things we watch online? Can it be different to all the other ways we see people scrabbling to capture and keep our attention? That feedback alone was remarkably freeing. I I still have to recall it when I'm asked about why our services are not like other online offerings. My own guilt. Yet for all the burden that comparison has placed on our teams and me, I am just as guilty. I have made similar performative assessments of other churches. Part of that is a is a genuine review. When I'm looking at things, I'm genuinely reviewing them. But a part of me, like all human beings, is the sin of comparing to make myself feel better. Our services might not be the best, but hey, they could be worse. Like that church I just saw, just saw online. I dislike those moments intensely, seeing that part of me, unredeemed and fallen, that needs to compare with others to make me feel better. Perhaps you know that place within yourself too. We all have it. I felt God got my attention recently about these experiences of comparing, and he lovingly chastised me and caused me to pause and reflect. And and that moment is the genesis for this uh, article, reflection and podcast today. I was trying to make contact with the minister of a local church about a pastoral issue. Their website seemed to have been made in the mid-1990s, and there was no way to make contact by any means, be that email, WhatsApp, Messenger, or online forms. A landline told me that messages were not being listened to and calls would not be answered. It was a great challenge tracking down this church minister. In that moment of frustration of making contact, still looking at their out-of-date website, I then did what I guess some people in my church have done to me. I assumed any paucity of online offering engagement meant the same in the analogue and offline. If they really cared about people, their website would be better, should be better. I did not assume that. Perhaps they were doing their best, the best they could with the resources they had. And the ugliest part within me told me how awesome our churches were my church was in comparison and here manifest in my judgment was my own insecurity the need to feel I was a good person doing better than others that assessment from insecurity was made in a nanosecond and it was like the whisper of a foul creature within my soul and I caught that feeling judgment and sentiment like a a regurgitation of acid reflux in my mouth I choked on it and had to immediately repent What if this church was doing its best in COVID? What if the minister was doing more than me offline and behind the scenes? Who was I to measure what they and their members were doing by the lack of any online presence? I did eventually locate and speak with the church minister. I asked how they were in COVID, colleague to colleague, peer to peer. I listened with delight as they told me story after story of what they were doing, meeting people, talking, caring, reaching for what God was doing with them. We shared about the challenges of extending the mission of Jesus in COVID, the pressures we both faced, but the joy of bringing Jesus to others. And when I turned back after that conversation to their website, I now saw something else very different instead of the sneering disdain that my insecurity had spoken to me from. I now saw something unique and precious and about which I felt God said, with this I am well pleased. Commodification virtue signalling and performance activism. 
We live in a consumer age. Being seen to do something is more important than having actually done something. Feeling good about something is a virtue, not the taking of action around something. There are many mechanisms at play that lead us to this state of affairs. In particular, commodification is a significant force of distortion. We are trained from birth in globalised capitalism, consuming goods and services, to do the same with our Christian experiences. Social media, in its most pernicious, commodifying attributes, taps into the worst of us. We consume media and moments. We mistake feeling something about something as having done something. We render judgments with likes or dislikes, or perhaps we're passive-aggressive, withholding our likes and dislikes, making it clear we're watching but disapprove of the person that we just read. It becomes more important to be seen to agree with something or disagree than actually take part in anything. And this is the nexus of all things virtue signalling and performance activism, fueled by commodification. To be judged on who you are by whether you've taken part in someone else's social media. To feel you've done something virtuous by liking or critiquing. It's not the good act itself or of being able to take part in the real world acts that are the virtue. It's the sharing, liking and posing around the action of others that becomes virtuous. We tell ourselves and others that we are good people. Not by what we actually do, but by what we express on social media in praise or with criticism. It's a low-cost effort to make ourselves feel good as a substitute for tangible actions that instead would cost us something deeply. What would Jesus make of social media? Oh, Well, if Jesus had been born at the end of the 20th century, would he have used social media? We will never know. Would the disciples be taking selfies for their Instagram with those who were healed by Jesus? Would they have gotten a panoramic phone shot of Jesus feeding a crowd of thousands? Would one of them have made a TikTok of Jesus walking on water again and maybe thankfully we'll never know but we do know that jesus told us where our focus should be when doing good and it seems to be twofold first this matthew 6 verse 3 but when you give to the needy don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you the most important thing it seems is taking action around the mission of the kingdom of god going further But a step back into Matthew 5, Jesus also says this, And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So again, it seems the issue here is whether we're living before God, who sees all and knows all, are we responding to his invitation to love and care for those around us? If we're substituting online social media scrolling and performance activism, in the place of serving others, then perhaps we need to disconnect and shut it all down. Better we love and care for others in gospel ways, unplugged and offline, where only God sees what we're doing. But second, Jesus also tells us something contrasting. He directs us to proclaim what we do in public, just before telling us to do our deeds in private. This is something that doesn't contradict, but is a tension to manage between our personal and public life. And this is in Matthew 5, verses 14 to 15. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're called on the one hand to make sure we live from a place of responding to God. 
we shouldn't have a persona whose conception is from virtue signaling and performance activism and the comparison with others. But we're also called to let others see a life that is God-fueled, God-created, God-established, God-inspired, and to let that life be seen and known by others. Putting it all together, what does all this mean in practice day to day? Well, I think it means a few things. First, take action in secret. Seek God and care for others first. Step away from social media and delight in taking part in what God would have you attend to for and with him. Enjoy his affirmations of you in private as you do that. Secondly, assess how we we are online and our social media use. Do you know what? It takes a split second for all of us, I'm convinced of this, to know what place we are living out of online. You know, we know if our scrolling, liking, disliking, ignoring are a distraction from real action. To look at the emotions that are animating us online are the insecurity, anger, envy, frustration. To know if what we're posting is simply to make us feel something that God should supply instead. And then perhaps add up our time online and consider how much God could use that for other things he wants us to take part in. And third, boast in the Lord in public. Too many Christians stay in a place of never sharing anything for fear of judgment by others. When God has animated you about and into something, share it free from insecurity and fears of image management. My own performance activism. I'm going to finish with this. Members of my church, Andy and Sayuri, they're two of my heroes. Andy was desperate to find something to do in our community in response to COVID, and he, he plugged into community things that our church were already doing. Yet he prayed and asked Jesus, what else do you want me to do, Lord? And then Andy told me he'd come across this new app called Olio. It allows you to collect unused food from shops and share it with others in your community. It also allows you to give away household items. And I watched as Andy ran with this, cheering him on, and he posted joyfully online. He and his wife, Sayuri, collected more and more food, making a space in their porch for people to safely and anonymously collect it. He used that space to give away books and materials about Jesus. Away from social media, he's told me some of the miraculous stories of people that he's spoken to and prayed for. His online postings have been a light on a hill. You can taste the sheer joy in what they're doing, responding to God's prompting and impacting the lives of others in their neighbourhood. But I'll admit to something. If I can be honest in the hope that it helps you to be honest too. I wanted to interview Andy. I wanted others to know about what he was doing genuinely so they might be inspired to take part or find their own route to action. But there was an undercurrent in my soul that the Spirit of God let me see. Underneath my drive for the social media promotion of Andy and Sayuri was a desire for our church to have a better online profile. And also so that others might think I was a good pastor who was supporting others. And I realised performance activism was animating me. How's it been activating you? And the irony here is not lost on me, that to draw attention to Andy and Sayuri now is to virtue signal in other ways. Hey, but that way lies madness. I've shared this story to be honest about how I struggle with being seen or not seen. So I wonder how you're struggling too and how you are navigating these most challenging of issues. So uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to catch more of these articles and podcasts, everything is on my website, jasonswanclark.org. That's jasonswanclark, 
all one word, noeonclark.org. And uh, on there, you'll be able to subscribe to uh, an email newsletter and to push updates to you for new articles um, and all the recordings. Also, you can subscribe to this audio podcast in Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes and wherever else you catch your podcasts from. Um, And lastly, thank you for listening. And if you found this helpful, please like and do share with others.